Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite Tolkien book club, Talking Tolkien. Today, we're going to be discussing Chapter 7 of Book 2 of The Two Towers, Journey to the Crossroads. As always, Katie's going to start us off with Today in Middle-Earth and Elvish Word of the Day. Then we're going to swing over to Chase, who will catch us up on the events we covered in last oh, no. week's episode. No wonder. <laughs> Did something happen? I skipped that chapter and read the one after it. Did you? I seriously did. <laughs> Nothing seemed off. <laughs> what? Oh, no. For, for, this is a first time ever. I mean, I personally have no qualms against rescheduling. That's what I read, Stairs of Kirth Ungol. Did it not occur strange no, to you it, it that they really were already didn't. there? It really didn't. <laughs> it really didn't at all. Like... It starts off like going, okay, we're out here. And I'm like, well, I guess Faramir's gone. Okay, that makes sense. That seems like it was a fitting end. And now they did mention some stuff that I didn't quite get. Like, oh, I guess, oh, my God, I feel like such an idiot. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Well. Well. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tolkien. Hopefully, you're familiar with our show in which we t- discuss the works of J.R.R. Tolkien one chapter at a time. Today, you're joining us for Chapter 7 of Book 2 of The Two Towers, The Journey to the Crossroads. Now, as always, Katie's going to get us started with Today in Middle-Earth and Elvish Word of the Day. We're going to swing on over to Chase for a quick uh, recap of the events of last week's readings and spend the bulk of this episode talking about today's readings. Uh, at the end of that, we will discuss our favorites, both from the text and from the past week of our lives. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. All right. So, Katie, today is May 5th. 5th. May 5th. 2016. May the 5th be with you. Oh. No. 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 <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, one, no. sorry, I just got to give those off my chest because... You know how big of a Star Wars nerd I am, Chase. I've always, <laughs> always, always hated the concept of May the Fourth Day. It just seems like a too much of a stretch for me. Short rant. Rant over. If you okay. if you enjoy it, that's fine. <laughs> this is just my personal qualm. Fandom. Let's all respect each other. Love you guys, Katie. What on earth is going on today? In middle so, earth. back to Lord of the Rings. What? What in Middle Earth was going on this day? Haha, <laughs> on on May fifth. Uh, let's see, a lot of a lot of things actually. Um, uh, once again, I'm gonna take us back just a little bit. This past week, um, after the events of The Hobbit in the year 2942, Gandalf and Bilbo actually make a stop at Rivendell on their way home on that day. Uh, did I say May the first? Maybe I didn't, but that that's what I'm talking so. about. Okay, yeah. May, May May the first. Um, also on May 1st, spoiler alert, but if you have read the title of the next book in The Lord of the Rings, then y- you know it's going to happen. Uh, in the year 3019, in our current events, it's uh, the crowning of King Elisar on May 5th. 
May 1st, I'm sorry. Once again, Katie, gosh. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Between between that day, the 1st, and today, the 5th, uh, those days in our current events, once again, are known as the Glad Days of Gondor, and we'll get to that eventually. Uh, and on this particular day, the 5th, um, what else? I mean, s- still, again, the Glad Days of Gondor, as well as previously in the Hobbit events, Bilbo is resting in Rivendell on the way home. Well, good for Bilbo. (laughs) Any uh, special word of today and the language that is Elvish? Yes. So our Elvish word of the day. We should should really mix stuff up someday and be like dark black speech word of the day, you know? But no. They'll know where we're at if that happens. But but no. I'm going to stick with Cinderin today. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the word that I chose is the word for road or way. Uh, and I believe I am pronouncing it correctly. I think it's um, Maine. Maine. I think. Like the state? No. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's spelled M-E-N, but I believe with the pronunciation of the vowel. Again, I don't actually speak Elvish, so I'm mm. looking up phonetically how to pronounce these Man. words. <laughs> I believe it's pronounced Maine. Men. If it's Men. not, sorry, I tried. Send us a correction. <laughs> yeah, if you speak Elvish, send us, uh, send us a correction. If you speak Elvish, how about you just send us like thousands of clips of you pronouncing individual Elvish words? Yeah, yeah, do that, <laughs> and we'll be happy to use those. <laughs> I make, I make no promises. <laughs> we throw it up every once in a while, like just, just this like very cold, calculated like reading, breaking down like. I was listening to a podcast where they did that with Peter Stormare's name because they've been pronouncing it wrong. We've all been pronouncing it wrong. It's, it's like Peter Stormare. I can see that. And someone sent them an audio clip and now they play it all the time. Even if it has nothing to do with what they're talking about. <laughs> okay, so my mom does this and it annoys the bejeebas out of me. It's like she will... I mean, love my mom. If you're listening, mom, you're the greatest. But when you pronounce words that are not in English, you go out of your way to overpronounce them. <laughs> and it's just like... Okay, okay. You know, like if I had a friend named Julio, she'd be like, how is your friend Julio doing? <laughs> and I was like, mom, it's okay to say Julio and like, just, no. That's the Chase, exact opposite of my parents. Let's chase. Uh, chase, yes. would you tell us what happened last week in our uh, readings? Ah, uh, it took me a minute to remember. This was, last week was when Faramir caught Gollum in mm-hmm. the secret, I don't remember the name of it, but that secret pool. The Forbidden Pool. The for, just Forbidden Pool? I mean, it... it, it uh, well, he was, he was fishing in the Forbidden Pool, and Frodo manages to lure him up to where they capture him and talk with him and realize that Gollum is a pretty messed up little dude and is about to send Frodo and Sam potentially to their deaths. But whatever... That was kind of it. That was kind of it. We had yeah, a lot of discussion about whether or not Faramir thought that couldn't quite get his head around of how like Gollum would be worthy enough to hold the ring, but that's not how it works, mm-hmm. dude. That's not how it works, dude. Dude. Yeah. So, um, as with most really of the rest of this book, meaning book two, the two towers, and not the two towers, uh, we do pick up immediately thereafter so um 
it sounded like they were saying goodbye at the end of last chapter, but then Faramir has like breakfast with Frodo and Sam. It was like the pre goodbye. It was. That, yeah, that's why someone somebody could make the mistake of you know skipping a chapter <laughs> and not and not quite noticing anything different. Yeah, we haven't mentioned that yet. Was that they just quite kind of like just abruptly? It just kind of abruptly <laughs> ends. And like they're going, I guess that was goodbyes. And then this chapter starts with kind of a goodbye. And so I was like, oh, all right. So so they wake up in the morning and Sam and Frodo uh, breakfast with with Faramir. Uh, and yeah, so it's 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 a nice goodbye, and again, nice to have a, a square meal in their bellies. Before well, I mean, specifically, and maybe I'm splitting hairs here, but it says that they break fast as compared to breakfast. Um, I, I know that's what. No, I no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, because hobbits have previously referred to breakfast as compared to breaking fast. And we don't really make much of a distinction of it today. And I don't know that there's a, a huge distinction to be made. I just like the idea that they were really like, like it was kind of ceremonial for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, like and also th- there's a mention in there about how like Faramir has not really slept a lot lately. Like he's not yeah, slept, Faramir since, hadn't the slept since the battle. Since the battle. Yeah. So uh, uh, there might be something to that in there as well. So Faramir gives them this food and, you know, says that they should be good. Um, and then as you continue, you can drink the waters of... Ithilien. Uh, or is this, you will, yeah, you have no waters as you walk in Ithilien, but do not drink of any stream that flows from Imad Morgul, the Valley of Living Death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably so don't want to touch that the... water. It's probably got, like, dead things at the top of it that's spewing down. <laughs> yeah, so if the name didn't... Uh, didn't Touch you off. Just don't drink the the draught of the living death. You know, basically. some people don't have great common sense. <sighs> I feel like if the water has the possibility for like if you light it on fire to fire fire to explode, <clears throat> that might be something you shouldn't drink. <laughs> it's like the consistency of hairspray. <clears throat> Wait, I didn't mean to say. I meant you know what I mean. The, f- the that it's flammable. It's flammable. Yeah, water, yeah, okay. yeah. Also, Faramir tells them that it's kind of oddly silent and empty out on the road, uh, which is which is weird. And Faramir kind of senses that something is coming. I think he says there's a storm coming, you know, it, which is as how many people have described it. That's the beginning of a trend with this chapter, because this chapter is all about like primarily descriptives, yeah. descriptions of the land and, and, and the weird atmosphere as well as the sky looking mm-hmm. super funky donkey. <laughs> Funky donkey. Yeah. Funky donkey. That's actually what Tolkien said. That is. That's, yeah. Um, but Sometimes his linguistic genius is underappreciated. And I think funky donkey is one of those words. Funky donkey was a, was a, was a, was a, 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 a Tolkien branded word. No, it wasn't. But it would be great if it was. All right. So anyway, anyway. Uh, yeah. So as a last parting gift, then the food wasn't enough. He gives them two walking sticks really nice walking sticks. really good walking sticks mm-hmm. yeah i sounded incredulous when i said that i didn't mean to like be like these aren't good uh he even had them like cut down to hobbit size yeah, yeah. cut them in half uh, or something like that and they're fitted yeah. with little like it, it it says they're shod they're fitted with little iron like you know nibs on the on on the bottoms that you know can like hold into the ground yeah better. yeah yeah, yeah. Because they're going to be going over rocky terrain. Mm-hmm. I have a walking stick for hiking. I like it a lot. It helps. Yeah. Um, and then 
it says the hobbits bowed low most gracious host said frodo it was said to me by elrond half elven that i should find friendship upon the way secret and unlooked for certainly i looked for no such friendship as you have shown to have found it turned evil to a great good yeah that's actually one of the first things that i really made note of in this chapter i really uh liked that that bit and once again is a like an example of kind of Frodo's like very kindly and proper character that he's shown to several people that that he's met thus far and why people have such a like high regard of him I think yeah uh so now they're they're basically on their way out and the golem poor wretched creature is brought out of some corner or hiding hole and he seems a little happier than he was the day before um, still very distrustful of everybody but Frodo. And I mean, ultimately distrustful of Frodo, but m- least distrustful there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, Faramir says that, you know, Gollum has to be blindfolded, but you and Sam, uh, I release from this requirement if you wish. And of course, this makes Gollum really upset. And so Frodo, once again, being a good guy, is like, no, 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 blindfold us, blindfold me first so Gollum can see. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, they, they will all be blindfolded for Gollum's benefit and, um, they're kind of led out of Faramir's secret hidden away space where, where we've been spending some time. (coughs) Sorry. And, uh, eventually they, they go out and they're into the woods of Athelion. And the terrain is definitely changing compared mm-hmm. to what it has been because it's becoming, I mean, I wouldn't even necessarily call it green to begin with, but it's definitely getting like more dead, more yeah. dead type colors of like brown and yellow out there. I got a lot of just brown and yellow from this chapter. Mm-hmm. And it's also, you know, as Faramir had said earlier, there oddly there are no birds or beasts or anything about. It's like completely oh. just dead feeling. Uh, and and you know, they're out in the open and Gollum is very uneasy being out in the open. And he's kind of constantly, you know, looking around and looking un- uncomfortable. Um, and they go along and they, they come, they come to, to this road that is the road leading out of Gollum tells them, uh, leading from the tower of the moon or Minas Ethel or Minas Morgul, as we know it's called. And Gollum refers to that place as the ruined city and says that there are cruel peoples there and that this place is very dangerous and there are always watching eyes around and they need to leave this place and that they should go east now. And and that is the... Which... which, which I had a lot of trouble kind of visualizing some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. So that one was... That, that one was going towards the east? Or, or was that one going... Going east. It was going east, okay. Yeah, they're going east. Um, and I really liked this little bit of passage just because of the way that it was described. Um, as, so at, as they're at this place, it says Frodo shuddered as he looked again at the distant pinnacles now dwindling into night and the sound of the water seemed cold and cruel. The voice of Morgulduin, the polluted stream that flowed from the Valley of the Wraiths. Um, I don't know why that strikes me, but it does. It's the kind of um, 
like we've been just told this place is silent and quiet and it's odd and it's strange uh, that it's so silent and quiet and well and think of it go ahead yeah I was going to say, think of it this way, Chase. If you look at the map on the front, I'm going to try and word this in a way that you don't need to see the map. I'm looking at um, a map anyway, Mord- so... Mordor is basically a square. Yes. And uh, the Moranon, which they went to a couple of chapters the ago... The Black Gate. The Black Gate is the top left corner of the square. Yes. Now, where they are going now is on the left side, kind of halfway down the side of the square. Um, and right there is a river that's running parallel for a while. Yes. Between the river and the side of the square is the road that they're on. And then halfway down um, on one side of the river is Minas Tirith. On the other is Minas Morgul. And on the river is Osgiliath. And that's where the crossroads referred to are. Okay. Yeah, that's much easier for me to visualize now. Because that's, again, good thing, good thing Tolkien put a map in this book. <laughs> Or everybody would, I feel like, would be a little lost. <laughs> I actually had the thought when I was reading this specific chapter that I appreciated, one, how descriptive the geography was, and two, how um, fleshed out the map was. Yes. Because I had an experience as a child when I was reading Narnia, specifically The Horse and His Boy, where in a lot of that book, they're just like walking along the coastline. And for some reason, I thought that they would be walking, like, if they were walking north, the coast would be on their left, but actually the coast was on their right, and when I figured that out, it felt like this very, um, it was very unsettling, like, I felt like I had been betrayed mm-hmm. by the like book. Like, you had no, yeah. no concept of the geography. Exactly. And so I exactly the opposite here. <laughs> so I would literally, as I was reading this chapter, I thought of that moment, and then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yes, they're going down south, um... Blah, blah, blah. Twice that day they rested and took a little of the food provided by Faramir. Dried fruits and salted meats enough for many days and bread enough to last while it was fresh. Fresh. Gollum ate nothing. Of course he didn't. Because it burns (laughs) him. It's not Gollum food. It's not Gollum food. It's not raw. Mm -hmm. It's not nice fresh fish. Yeah. So um, darkness comes and they rest for a while. Gollum makes them get up. They keep going. The air grew heavy. It's just like this part of the chapter is they're marching for several days and it's really unpleasant. Uh, and eventually they get into a forest. Or no, sorry, they're in the forest. The forest is opening up. Um, I mean, is there, is there much that goes on in this part? I mean, not really. It, it is mostly just descriptions of the terrain until they get to the crossroads. And that's when yeah. kind of things kind of like give uh, uh, what's the word um a sense of the the path that lays ahead of them like where they need to go from there yeah so yeah they well they get to this they're you know Gollum is leading them towards this crossroads and Frodo sees this you know dark looming shape in the distance and asks he says is that the Morgul Vale and Gollum tells him, yes, that's that's yeah. the valley, and this is where we need to go, to this crossroads. And it's at this point, there's something that I really like, uh, because they, they decide to rest for a while, and Sam's going to take the, the, the first sleep. Um, 
And he dreams of Bag End and of his pipe. That's right. I remember that now. Uh, but then when he wakes up, he realizes he doesn't have any pipe weed. So mm-hmm. it, <laughs> poor poor Sam is not in, in the same predicament as his friends, his dear friends. Uh, <laughs> that, that <we laughs> Yeah, it's much like Marion Pippin, <laughs> who did always carry extra pipes yeah. and did find But alas, no no pipe weed. And, and poor Sam is not at, uh, at Isengard right now. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's at this moment that the atmosphere is really beginning to change. And the daylight is, well, daylight, the day is dark. Um, and and they, Sam is trying to figure out how long he was asleep. And Frodo tells him, well, you can't have been asleep for more than a couple of hours. But the day is getting darker. And the air is also feeling very heavy and warm and kind of close. But not, but not warm was the description of that, well, too. Like, it was just, it was like this, like, weird... Just like humid, dense. oppressive, but not. Yeah. But you're getting no warmth from it. Yeah, like not yeah. around here right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Gollum's just kind of taking them up. This it says a dark, sloping land. They could and uh, you know they start at night because it's Gollum. You know this is what he likes to do. Uh, but the way that like this is just described, like the blur, the stars are faint and blurred. Um, at one point it was called because it's they're on kind of a hill or it's rising. It's called a great hogback of land. Mm-hmm. It's a good yeah, it was um, a good usage of that. Mm-hmm. It says for the most part it was covered with a thick gross of gort, sorry, gorse and hortleberry. I don't know if either of those are real things. I have certainly never heard of them before, but they sound unpleasant. <laughs> gorse and hortleberry. I, I, I re- and low tough thorns. I definitely had like this is like one of the only sections I actually highlighted that in this chapter that i really liked which was but no day came only a dead brown twilight yeah east there was a dull red glare under the lowering clouds it was not the red dawn that that referencing the fact that it's almost like i'm just imagining this like cloudy but you know like when it's super cloudy and the sun is rising Mm -hmm. and there's like an area, like a basically a thin part of the sky that the sun is able to get through, but that's hidden by mountains, but it's reflecting the light off of the clouds. Mm-hmm. And it's just like really like yellow, but almost gray, oppressive quality to it. And then you got this red. Mm-hmm. Like that red is their end goal, right? That's Mordor. That's the, I'm going to say Tower of Doom. I'm going to say Mountain of Doom. Mountain Doom. Off in the distance. So it's just this like, just... Black, black and red, red and yellow and gray. It's really, it's really great. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just very oppressive feeling. Uh, and so then this is where they kind of like fall asleep is on this awful hog back. And, that's, you know, Sam has his dream. And they wake when Sam wakes up, it says that there's this noise that they can hear. And at this point, it's like they're in the peak of this like day that isn't a day. Um. And they hear this noise. Sam thinks it's thunder or drums. What is it? And Frodo can't figure it out, but it's been going on for a long time. And it's just kind of like throbbing. And Gollum is nowhere to be found. And so Sam, of course, is is does what Sam does and thinks that Gollum has betrayed them. And that like this is all the armies coming that, that, that Gollum has tipped them off to. And Frodo is like, you know, to his credit, we would have not passed through the marshes without Gollum. Mm-hmm. I hope nothing has happened um, to him. Yeah, and there's, you know, this this kind of rolling and rumbling continues and the ground is like trembling and uh, like of course still neither of them can really figure out what's happening. And Frodo um 
there's a really nice exchange here. Frodo says, I think we are in trouble, or I think we are in for trouble anyhow. I'm afraid our journey is drawing to an end. And Sam replies, maybe, but where there's life, there's hope, as my gaffer used to say, and need of vittles, as he most ways used to add. You have a bite, Mr. Frodo, and then a bit of sleep. Uh, and that, you know, once again, it's a great Samism, but also like a, a very welcome bit of hope. Um, which he's, it's at this moment, he's still is clinging to and able to like give, give to Frodo. Uh, and, and that's a, that's a nice moment to have. Um, and so, yeah, they kind of rest for a while and Frodo eats a bit and, and, and rests for a bit. And then Gollum in, in that afternoon wakes them up and says, we need to go immediately. And uh, he takes them east uh, up to the southward road. Um, and this is leading to this crossroads. And this is what Gollum says. This is the only way that we can go. Um, this is what we need to do. And it's on this road where they see, they come across this kind of interesting uh, relic. And oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's this, it's a headless statue and uh, it was one of the ancient kings of Gondor, but it's been defaced and graffitied and made like a mockery. And there's this kind of crude, ovalish stone that's replacing the, the statue's head that's been set on it with, you know, like crude kind of drawings on it. Um, and uh, Frodo... Uh, Frodo then finds nearby, he, he sees the head of the statue lying on the ground a, a little ways away. And he remarks it's got sort of a crown, almost, of this sort of trailing vinish plant that is sprouting uh, like little small white flowers that kind of remind him of stars. And uh, so Frodo makes a great remark there. Um, in reference to Sauron's forces, that they cannot conquer forever. They continue on into the darkness. Yeah, but I just think that this uh, this statue, this whole uh, encounter with this statue, is very poetic on uh, on on this journey of theirs. Um, it's you know it's not maybe not like a place of huge significance, uh, but. No, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, the fact this thing is, even though it's been defaced, it's still there. Yeah. It's, it's still sticking around. It's It still stands, and the fact that, um, so yeah, it's been defaced, and it's been made a mockery. Like, you know, again, most of this land has been made barren and nasty, um, but the symbol of that plant growing like a crown around the king's head is... Um, once again, a symbol of hope, similar to what Sam had given earlier. You know, while there's still life, there's hope. I mean, and also specifically the sense that that plant has got to stick out mm -hmm. amongst this yellow-brown mm -hmm. terrain. And so it's... Yeah, and I think we can also take, you know, so this beheaded 
statue of this ancient king of Gondor that's been defaced is again reminds us of how Faramir had talked about Gondor falling into disrepair over the years and um, you know that the kings forgot to do what they should have done which is protect the city um, and now we have this kind of symbol growing of as Frodo says you know Sauron's forces cannot conquer here forever there must be hope still for Gondor. I'm prodding everybody. <laughs> it, it, well, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, thought you were I, to I was thought. waiting for you um, to finish your moment so I could speak because I was I was going to say that this holds kind of specific value to Frodo and Sam, not just because it's the symbol of, you know, life in in this this place of death, or you know. Uh, it, it, the oppression cannot last forever, but specifically because part of the request is to, you know, whether or not they they explicitly want to, they know that part of the request is to exactly. Uh, restore Aragorn. Oh, that's King. what you're getting at. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. So. There is a literal crown growing on this <laughs> statue head of an ancient Gondorian king. <laughs> In the midst of a, a, a crap field. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and at this moment, they don't know what is going on with Aragorn. All that they know is that Boromir has died. So, like, clearly they're going to be concerned about the rest of their exactly. party. And this is kind of like a symbol of hope for that. So it's it's this macro and micro symbol. Macro and that's like, oh, yeah, the oppression of the Dark Lord can't last forever. And micro and that, like, oh, yeah, our friend is going to be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's um, pretty much the end of that chapter. Nice super, little bit super of short chapter uh-huh. with a nice. Yeah. But having been somebody who's read sure. ahead, <laughs> it makes just a little bit more sense why this, this chapter need to be here. Cause I know what, cause I kind of know now where things go in the next chapter and thank good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Tease, tease for next week. Uh huh. All right. Well, we covered my favorite moment, which was that bit at the With end. With the the plant, the statue, and the plant. Yep. The statue. Yeah. Um, my favorite uh part of this chapter actually comes uh, a little earlier. We'd kind of uh jumped over it a bit, but they it's while they're going through the forest of Athelion, and um. You know, for in in Athelia, the forest is still kind of like green and growing. And I just really liked, um, for some reason, this sentence as it's ta- it's just talking about the the forest. Um, and I just like the sound of it. It says, "And there were acres populous with the leaves of woodland hyacinths. Already their sleek bell stems were thrusting through the mold." I don't know what it is, but like. Tolkien is so poetic about uh, nature and growing things, and that's I I just like that line and the sound of it a whole lot. It almost feels like the powers that be, that we the unseen forces of Middle Earth are reacting in the sense that their perception of time is so different from everything else that. In a way, Middle Earth is reacting positively to this being the end 
of Sauron's reign. Oh, I think in a weird specific. Like, I mean, yeah, probably I, no, not. I, but yeah, there's it's totally symbols of you know the 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 good that still is there in the world pushing back against. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Like, is this really like the end of Sauron's reign? Do we know no. this at this point? No, no I'm, 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 just, I'm saying, just... I'm saying yeah, that like... you know, while there is you know all of this weird you know dark darkness and nastiness and like we talked about the strange weird atmosphere um there is there there is still forces of good and i think that's illustrated a lot in these passages of good growing things well and specifically like a thought i had that i was kind of playing with while i was reading this chapter was the weird rumbly tumblies that they're hearing <laughs> earlier on. I almost had this like feeling or this thought of like back to what I've been kind of like thinking about, which is this like ethereal nature of Sauron's magic slash power. And almost like this feeling of like, like, like aspects of Mount, like of Mordor knows something's up with like, not necessarily that they can point and say that, that Frodo and Sam are coming, that this is happening, but like, there's something like, Oh, why does there, there feels like something's weird out there. <laughs> that something's coming to like in this, but we can't put our fingers on it. Like it, it's, you can't reach. And I wonder if there's some aspect of Sauron's power in Mordor that is like sensing this in a weird way of like, like somehow like he knows like forces are going to be coming at him later on, but he's like, but something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. For one, I don't know where that ring is. I'm not like, I'm questioning whether or not the the emotional states <laughs> of more of uh, Sauron are resonating in some way out in the world. Oh, that's an interesting theory. I mean, that's just me continuously thinking about like them <laughs> trying to make Sauron's power probably much uh, crazier than it really is. <laughs> like, there's some. I mean. What we know right now is that the yeah. current order cannot stand. And, you know, Galadriel and Alron know this. They know that either the ring is going to be destroyed or Sauron will regain it. Either way, the powers of their rings will no longer be effective. So it's it's this great moment uh, in which a lot is going to change. And for the elves, it's mm-hmm. both changes are going to be negative. Or not negative, but both changes are going to be mm-hmm. a fundamental shift in their right. world to the extent that they have to leave. So it's, you know, there there is this great... Um, the story of the elves in, in within Lord of the Rings is very bittersweet. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I used to have this conversation with one of my childhood friends. All the, uh, you know, how is it that they spanned three, four thousand years with the same level of technology we're in? you know that time span of human history we've gone from building the pyramids to like the international space station and my friend's remark was that it was the elves because the elves are in this kind of like perfect stasis they don't really ever need anything more so they don't develop anything more so like it it is the sad but eventual uh vacation, vacation of the elves that leads to men being able to um, develop the technologies that lead us into the current 
world you know like if this is uh like an, a pre-history of humanity then it's sad that the elves leave but ultimately their um you know their flight is what gives man the ability to create our own world <laughs> oh i never said my favorite part oh yeah what was your I, I just like that line the uh only a dead brown twilight came oh, yeah, instead yeah, of the yeah. day that's yeah, yeah. that's that's it we already talked about it so <laughs> that was it for me on that front <laughs> all right well i have a very very short um short short <laughs> external recommendation you which is a, a YouTube clip of 22 seconds in length that I'm just going to play <laughs> the concerned. audio for you. Um, Have you ever had a dream I know this. that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could you you want you want him to do you so much you could do anything. <laughs> I relate to that child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw a ver- I saw a version of that video where it so, was like the kid's statement, but the audio in the background was of like an insane clown posse concert, and like people are like like, like they're cheering and stuff like to it. Yeah. Uh, there's also a trap <laughs> remix, which is on iTunes. Um, if if you uh, <laughs> listeners at home want to view this video, it is. Just search for you want him to do you so much that you could do anything. That that that's one of my favorite YouTube videos. See, I get where that kid's coming from in the <laughs> sense that like I too as a child and even now, you know, I like to speak fast and my brain works. And sometimes I'm a million miles ahead of my own brain when I'm speaking and don't know how to end anything. Sometimes there. also there's just there, you you can't how how to articulate, how to say the things. <laughs> Um, we had a very, very slow day at work yesterday, and so me and my coworkers were just passing around all these videos, and like the entire office was cracking up. Uh, the close, close runner-up, which I would play, but it's two minutes long, is two old people shooting a commercial, and he's supposed uh. to say, buttery, flaky crust. And he keeps on saying buttery crispy crust and the wife keeps correcting and getting mad. And finally the director is like, fine wife, how about you do it? And so she goes up and she's like, and enjoy blah, 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 baked in a buttery crispy flake. And then she just like looks at herself and she's like, "Ah!" and she's just so upset that she said buttery crispy flake. So also search YouTube for buttery crispy flake. (laughs) dot tumblr dot <laughs> dot tumblr dot com <laughs> <laughs> yeah i also was so bored i was novelty shopping for uh domains again i did not buy this one but butts dot vodka is available oh i need can we can we buy that website oh, please? oh i need that it's 33 dollars. that's why i didn't buy oh. it I, I i i can't i can't justify that <laughs> what would we use it for everything um, i know but seriously we did buy and recently implement TolkienBook.club, so if you ever want to share our website with that, you can do so. <laughs> you can, yeah, if that's easier than TalkingTolkien.com. <laughs> but stop vodka. Oh. That's pretty great. Uh, well, my favorite from the week, uh, I have a selfish favorite, and that is that I have enrolled in all of my benefits. <laughs> I nice. just started a new job recently, and so like... I have a retirement plan and I'm saving a lot of money on health insurance and I got dental insurance and I got life insurance and 
Nice. I don't like. D- I'm, dude, it's great. I'm so adult right now. I know. <laughs> I, I had that moment too when I started this job, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm a big girl." Guess, yeah, I was like, "I can get new glasses." <laughs> I even I have a flex spending account. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm and it's fascinating is this year I'm going through the reverse. <laughs> I'm doing the exact opposite. <laughs> Where it's gonna be a while there, where or a solid year, where it's gonna be nothing mm-hmm. like that. You'll be you'll be having fun though. Uh, but uh, my actual favorite from the week though is that we learned that we get more wet hot American summer. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> Ten years later. Ten years later, so I await that with much anticipation. We should just why don't we all just meet at 9.30 and set to meet and, at 9.30 because we'll be adults by that point. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't see why we can't be on We're time. responsible 20-year-olds at that point. Yeah, I just... So, Wet Hot American Summer is, like, one of the hallmarks of my sense of humor, <laughs> I think. <laughs> if I'm ever having a bad day or if I ever just want to laugh, I watch that movie. It's incredible. So... Uh, the show is pretty good. Yeah, but it's different. It's different. I feel like it's different yeah. in the sense of like the movie is great. Is just super funny. It, I mean, yeah. it doubles the, the TV show is like is like absurdist. Like it's yes. just so absurd. Yeah, and the sh- the show really doubles down on it. Yeah. I like it for that, especially the last episode. Oh, the last episode's brilliant. Oh my god, the the, the origin story for that song. Yes, <laughs> Chris Evans. I mean Chris Pine. Chris Pine. There are too many yeah. Chris's. Yeah. There are way too many Chris's. I'm a Chris now. But anyway, Wet Hot American Summer. If you haven't, for some horrible, sad reason, ever seen the movie, you should watch it, and then you should feel the the joy that we all do that <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be a ten years later. <laughs> all right, oh. Chase. You got anything to add? I, I have. Many things. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say one thing really quickly, which is I finished Dark Souls three this week, mm. and I feel very, 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 very sad. <laughs> and I have a dissertation I could potentially write about how Dark Souls representation of systemic oppression, but I'm not gonna go into that. It's just be very sad. Uh, I, I really dug into that game and I loved it. The real thing is, is I have bought, listened to, and watched Lemonade from Beyonce. <gasps> About a hundred million times now. I still haven't gotten to watch it. And it's just about like the best thing I've encountered. It is so far my favorite thing from this year. It is pretty remarkable, especially the visual album, which is the best movie I've seen since last summer, basically. Like it's an amazing work. She, I mean, Beyonce went out and made a concept album that is... On the surface level, it's about her getting over the fact that uh, Jay-Z cheated on her. And it's about that, yes. But it's more of this like internalized journey where she comes to a lot of different places in her life like like it's going through emotional states and then it's going through like realization about her father and about like her like her 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 place as like as not only a woman but a a successful black woman in america and like going into that and then now the song formation makes more sense because it's the very last song on the album Mm -hmm. and where it's everything before that is a very internalized journey formation is like this 
exclamation point about like, no, this is like after this long journey, this is where I need to be and what I'm doing. And it is it's very affecting. Particularly, there's a song on there that I like the most. It's it's um, called Daddy Lessons. And Beyonce made a country song. Mm-hmm. And it's the best country song I've heard in a very long time. <laughs> and it is incredible and emotional. And it's... Well, she it's, is from Texas. It's it's great. Like, that album is amazing. You And I can't listen... I, I have to listen to the whole thing yeah. whenever I listen to it. Because each song is great. And it's got a lot of different sounds. The visual album has a lot, got a lot of great stuff. Serena Williams shows up in it. There's like just, there's just, there's just amazing stuff in that. Um, awesome. There's even just, I, I could gush for for a while, but it's just if you can figure it out. The big problem with it is though, it's kind of hard to get hold of. Yeah. Um, it showed at HBO on like Saturday night, and then it was on Sunday on Title. Then on Monday it hit iTunes, and I finally and I bought it on iTunes, but um. They've made it pretty hard. How, however, they've hyped it, and it is well worth the hype. Is all I can say. All right. Well, with that, I think it's time to wrap the show up. Katie, you want to take it away? Yes. So once again, before we leave, I would like to give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, we also have recently added a, a couple of goals on um, our Patreon account. You can check those out. Um, John, remind uh, me. Yeah. So basically the first goal is we want to get merch. Uh, we've basically reached the point. Thank you so much, everybody, where we have a subscription to Adobe Creative Cloud now, which is great, which means a few things. It's going to be a lot easier to edit the show every week. And now we have Photoshop mm-hmm. and Illustrator so we can design stuff. Um, so ultimately, we want to get some merch printed up, you know, buttons, stuff like that, maybe T-shirts. Uh, and so if we get a little extra money, then we can start to print that stuff up. And everybody at the $5 level will get the merch included in their contribution. Uh, after that, the, yeah. the next goal after that is we want to be able to start licensing assets. Um, right now we're using like Creative Commons or public domain licensed music and images. Uh, it would be so much easier to not have to hunt down stuff that has Creative Domain or a Creative Commons public domain if we could actually just license it from the content creators. That way we could, I mean, we only work because people believe us and support us. And this would give us the opportunity to spread that along and support other creators and help them out as well. Yeah, and continue once again to improve our own content and improve the product that we give to you. And Um, making the editor's life a little easier. (laughs) And making the editor's life a little easier. (laughs) But uh, yeah, again, thank you so much to everyone who donates to us. Uh, We really do appreciate it. It helps us out so much. Um, So I'm going to go through my list as I always do. Thank you so much to our supporters. Uh, Devin Mann, Ariel Alm, Brian Osborne, Anna Dunlany. Again, if I'm pronouncing anyone's name incorrectly, please email us and uh, I will correct myself. Ji uh, Ying Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Jacob Verma, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, and Micah. We appreciate each and every one of you and each and every one of you listeners so, so much. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, join us next week where we will be discussing Chapter 8, The Stairs of Kirith Ungal. Uh, or if you're Chase, you would join us this week thinking for some reason we'd be discussing that <laughs> chapter. Spoilers, it's a good one. <laughs> 
it is all a right good one. well we'll good. have to take your uh, word on it until we get around to next week's episode thanks for listening everybody i am john i'm katie i'm chase thank you for listening to talking tolkien you can find us online at talkingtolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at talkingtolkien.com we do our best to respond to each email so please let us know about your thoughts theories and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show we are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if you would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page, where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better-sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge, and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. What is a kitty cat squared? Keanu. Okay. You missed an opportunity to say a squaredy cat. Or a box cat. You remember those? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that was brilliant. Oh. Sorry, Chase. We didn't mean to break you. That one was no, I'm more like that was overjoyous. That was brilliant. Um <sighs> All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Shark Tank, your favorite shark-themed podcast in which we talk about the works of J.R.R. Tolkien and how they were all actually created and influenced by sharks. I'm John Hammerhead LaRoche. Coming up next, we have Katie Great White Bananas and Chase Bananas Bananas Bananas. <laughs> I was hoping I'd get to be able to just say, I'm Left Shark. <laughs> I wanted to say that, too. I'm Left Shark. Oh my god, we're gonna have double bonus content at the end of this episode because you should put that in. Well, too. jokingly enough, I want to see how y'all feel about this before I edit it like this. I'm gonna start the episode with that previous thing and then like make it go up and then rewind it back and then start the episode over. If it works, it works. I <laughs> if, it, yeah, if, yeah. It, if it works, that's fine. I won't um, use all of it because it's like nine minutes long. Yeah. But. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tolkien.